You're listening to Fusion Patrol, a listener-supported podcast. Each week, we take a single episode of a science fiction TV series or movie and overanalyze it to within an inch of its life. Welcome to the discussion. Hello and welcome to another episode of Fusion Patrol. I'm Eugene. And I'm Simon. And tonight we're looking at the Bugs episode number four called Down Among the Dead Men. And I'm just going to say, I just feel it should be amongst. It, 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 for some reason, it, just, it wants to be amongst in my head. Anyway, episode synopsis. Someone has been stealing Navy salvage parts and willing to murder to do it. Through a not adequately explained coincidence, the team Bugs is brought into a case by a bank. They've got their suspicions about an ex-employee, Brody, who was mucking about with computery stuff. Somehow he's linked to the ex-Navy diver that's been stealing the Navy parts. They distract the diver while Ed searches his home for the parts. The diver gets suspicious and rushes home, and he might have discovered Ed if not for Brody and his wife showing up to talk about his demand to renegotiate their deal. No deal on that and Brody's wife kills him in cold blood. Ed escapes and manages to recover the parts. Beckett and Ed pose as ex-Navy colleagues of the dead man and work their way into the deal. Brody takes them on, with a promise of riches if they finish the job. He takes them aboard his submarine, where Ross can no longer track them, so she bugs Brody's wife instead and follows her. She leads her to a very prominent diamond merchant in the city. She takes her info to the bank, and they basically fire her. We don't do any business with that diamond merchant, and there's no way anyone could mess around with our computers, says Mr. Hubris, one of the high muckety-mucks at the company. Brody's plan is simplicity itself. Beckett and Ed are to use the parts to fix the pub on the submarine. This will allow them to open the lower hatch and snag the undersea phone cables. He will tap into the cables, intercept a routine quarter of a million pound transfer from this bank, replicate it, send the replica to the diamond merchant where his wife is waiting to use that money to purchase an equivalent amount of presumably untraceable diamonds. This all goes pear-shaped when they arrive at the Dutch coast for a fuel-up. Ed tries to contact Ross, and Brody finds out, killing Ed when he causes the fuel store to blow up on the pier. He claps Beckett in irons, and the plan goes forward, since Ed already did the important work of fixing the pump. The security investigator that brought Team Bugs in is still unofficially helping Roz by allowing her some computer access so that she can put the pieces together. Ed has actually escaped alive, and is now with the Dutch Navy searching for the sub. The wire transfer fraud takes place. Brody scuttles the sub with Beckett and the rent-a-crew aboard. Ross rushes to the diamond merchant and alerts them, but in doing so, Brody's wife just goes homicidal, killing everyone in the room and taking the diamonds, and Ross is hostage in the process. As the building security cuts in and locks down, she is cut off from her husband. She gives him the diamonds, but Ross sows a little marital discord, pointing out that he'll just take the diamonds and leave her to her fate. It rings true, and she kills him. Brody's wife is taken down by security, and Roz uses Brody's magic-like satellite navigation doohickey to radio Ed with the exact position of the sub. Ed saves Beckett, just in the nick of time. In the tag scene, Team Bug shows once again that they'll spare no opportunity to be juvenile asses to one another by presenting Beckett with a fish. Okay, I, I have to ask one question first that I just could not figure out from this equation. If the intent was to intercept and duplicate a funds transfer from the bank to the bank in the continent, I think in Germany, if I'm not mistaken, and then use that to send to the diamond merchant a copy of it to the diamond merchant, why was there any need for this to be sort of time-specific? Couldn't they have just gotten that transaction fingerprint and then duplicated it and done it later? I don't know. There just seemed to be something to it that made it feel like they were going to redirect it, which would have to be in real time, but they didn't. They just copied it. And, you know, like copying anything on a computer, you use it over and over again. So I I don't know. It was just kind of odd. But the, I, don't, I, did, I have to say, I didn't completely follow all that stuff. It's familiar because it's the kind of thing that... Um, 
you know, it, well, I don't, I don't know if it's as, um, as directly analogous to, say, The Sting, but um, certainly uh, shows like Hustle have more recently done almost exactly this kind of thing in the, in the actual financial sector. And, you know, where again, the, the con they're doing is the wire. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I have to say, I didn't totally follow that. And it, it didn't bother me too much how it worked because I was kind of, yeah, enjoying the episode. But I can't answer your question, I'm afraid. Okay. I just, I was just checking. I, I, I feel like this is one of the, this is another one of those examples where they're fishing for things that maybe haven't been done yet. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and so they haven't really they haven't really given any thought to that because they don't under they don't really understand the technology. So they're 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 going, Whoa, um, what if they just did this and then okay, and they don't really think about it after the after the fact. Well, oh wait a minute, we could have just in fact he could be doing this over and over again repeatedly if that's all it takes is to redirect a transaction to another organization. He could just hit every diamond merchant in the city whenever he wants. <laughs> Right, but it it didn't uh, it somehow it seemed to be time sensitive, and that was the part that didn't quite make sense to me. If you're going to attribute um, what was in the writer's mind when he wrote this, then I'll have a go at that. Okay. It felt it felt to me like there was there was a a potential problem. It wasn't it wasn't. It didn't feel to me like he didn't necessarily understand the technology. It felt like if he explained it too well, it would become obvious that it wasn't necessary to make this intercept in the middle of the ocean, which would really right. blow a hole in the plot because the whole thing is fun because they've nicked a Russian sub, not you know, not because it's a, True. a bit of bank fraud. True. That is that is the I, I would say that is the closest thing that I would get to to the Avengers so far in my mind is that they've done something so outlandishly overkill to achieve something that didn't need to be that uh, elaborate, right? It, it's, yes, it's like a, yes, it's almost yes, like a grand yes. set piece. It's like, oh, the submarine! <laughs> it's like, okay, well, but the cables go right up to the shore and you've got divers. So, I mean, if, if it had to be the undersea cable... You could do this from the land, <laughs> too. Well, or yeah, yeah I mean, or if, yeah, or some, you know, at the phone exchange, or all sorts of other places that you yes. could do this. I was going to uh, say there, there, there are places you could do it without actually intercepting the signal in the wire. But yeah, I mean, obvious, obviously, the more they obfuscate exactly what it is that um, facilitates this theft then the harder it is for us as the audience to go, oh, hang on, you could have done it this way and you haven't really explained why you didn't think of that. And yet, and yet, there is a scene that that when Roz notices that the, that the transfer is two seconds out or the, the act is two seconds out, I'm not sure which it is, um, and she says, well, why are all these this time? And that one's two seconds later. And, and the guy says, well, maybe the clock on the computer at the other end is wrong. And I'm like, the look she gave him was not suitably adequate to what a network administrator would <laughs> give you a look if you knew that the clocks were out of sync. Because, I mean, you, you get the clocks out of sync on a Microsoft network and it's done. It's over. <laughs> like, I've been bit by that more than once over the years where somehow a clock gets out of whack with the time servers and it does two seconds won't kill you but it doesn't it doesn't have to go very far out of whack before suddenly the network stops working in a reasonable fashion and and it's not the easiest thing to find so yeah it, it's so it was, it was kind of i thought she gave her a fairly withering look so obviously you want her to turn it up to 11 i think it needed to be up to 11 i'd i'd have, i'd have turned that one up to 11 if someone said that to me Especially if you're looking at a list that appears to be in chronological order. <laughs> but, uh, it's, like, it's like, wait, how come that one's chronologically after? Nah, 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 nah. It, it, it was out of pattern. It was out of pattern but, and she spotted it. And, and there was a fair explanation that she had experience looking for that. And that is absolutely true. 
IT people with experience, you do spot out of pattern things like that. That's just part of part and parcel of of the experience on the job. So, I, oh, yeah. I, in a yeah. way, I there were a couple lines in this that made me think they'd actually talk to somebody who'd worked in computers. I, I like that. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. It was also the thing that made me think the three second thing. This is that made me think that there was some some reason why it had to be a real time intercept that they had to send the signal um because because it was expected within a narrow time window albeit i mean i suppose it could be in it could be encoded somehow to the time transfer but if it's not encrypted that way well no, i, I wasn't suspect necessarily these are not encrypted about, but about that so 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 much as the possibility that a connection is available for a number of seconds or whatever i, uh, I mean it is yeah it is hard Obviously, to think back 95 computer <laughs> um, and the, the the more they explain it, the, the more holes would would appear. I would have thought so. Yeah, fair enough. Like I, I did say, enjoy it. it. Kind of... I did enjoy the episode. Don't get me wrong. I just that one was the one that kind of stuck out to me. It's like that one hit me very quickly. Like I don't understand why this is time sensitive. If he's just replicating the authentication signals, uh, but that's uh, right. The other thing that didn't that bothered me after the fact didn't bother me at the time because i thought we weren't supposed to understand until later i i don't get how they got on to the diver or that the bank security knew that the diver was stealing parts he he knew that he said specifically to them they the guy was stealing naval parts on brody's behalf because they had the picture of him and they said that's he's the one that's doing the stealing and they never explain up front why bugs was brought in the guy's just sitting there and he's saying you know, this guy was fiddling around with other people's passwords on our network. Well, and, and then they go, well, and, and then he, when he found out we were investigating, he disappeared. So how did they find out? I mean, <laughs> like, what, what did they know to get them to that point to send them after the guy with the parts? It just it it really did seem tenuous just to get bugs on the case. I, I didn't necessarily think that was what. That was what the reason they were brought in. It's normal for the, it's normal for us to come in and and they're they're already on the case and get a you know a throwaway line about them having been brought in or whatever because you 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 know you don't want to slow down the action to establish all of this starting. The thing that I agree I found hard to follow at that point was in the in the cold open you had this stuff that was about that it. Essentially, the the organisation that was compromised was the British Navy, and so yes, that that was that was what I going into the episode. What I was expecting um, the, the the investigation to be into was that it, it was the Navy going, you know, who killed our guy, and yes, suddenly it kind of makes this left field switch into bugs are working for this bank. And then there is a then there is a connection with um, with Brody and I, I yeah yeah I, it, I did it, it, not understand what it was but the thing that threw me most was the fact that I I was kind of expecting one thing from pre-titles and then getting mm-hmm. something else post-titles. I didn't even get it I, in a way I didn't even get it that it was a bank um, in the opening bit where they're in the office because it just didn't make any sense. Sure, it would be yeah, the navy. Yeah that would be asking for help exactly. on this situation. And he does mention the name of the firm, but, you know, Wayland yutani or whatever it is. It was, it was just, you know, it was a name of a corporation. I'm like, well, how does that tie into the Navy? It wasn't even clear it was a bank until, yeah. until yeah. they had their first meeting at the bank. And what is, it with, what is it with Team Bugs that they can only be brought in by people that are absolutely opposed by everyone else in the corporation in power? <laughs> <laughs> Right? I don't see any reason for bringing. Well, how, how how do these companies operate where some guy can just go out and hire somebody at a contractor at will and with completely at odds with like everyone who cares, <laughs> the board of directors? Well, I don't know. I don't, think, I don't. I don't think that's a fair characterization of what happened in this episode. I think that because we don't see him going out and hiring, we 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 assume that he went through whatever necessary process was to do that procurement and he got it authorized but it wasn't necessarily a 
carte blanche to keep them on regardless of the the cost or length of the investigation and that that gets shut down by the boss who goes you know as we've seen in you know four episodes in we've seen this already it is a trope yes in this. it is yeah um you know very very much as as the as the kind of in this we've got the the bad guys are a a couple with you know a very sort of single man minded almost psychopath and i'm sure we've had that again already is it is it is the the uh prejudice against bugs is it because they're the techie people is that what that is is this like... no 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 i no i no i think it i think it's a i think it's a trope that they're using without it being a particularly deliberate thing it is a means to add to the jeopardy because the team are they they're between a rock and a hard place, you know. On the on on the one hand, they're trying to get the bad guys, but on the on the other hand, they don't have the support of their client. And I would we're, say we're... it's not something that they've invented because I think this is quite a common thing that you get in sort of detective fiction or, or you know private eye type stories, particularly particularly private eye stories because you have the notion of the very independent, almost maverick operator there who is who is hired to do a job who then does the job their own way who is then (laughs) fired by the client who want you know who is not happy with not 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 so much what kind of job has been done but with what they've actually found out because obviously the maverick private eye is good at their job um so they say blame them from that and so and yeah they get they get into a situation where you know they they're taking heat from both sides, and it does add to the drama. But I don't think you can do it every week and expect us to just go, oh yeah, that's you know. So it 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 raises two questions. I mean, one, the fact that the bank is dismissive of this seems seems excessive to me, because well, first off, there's been a murder committed as related to this, so it, it isn't. There isn't. There, there's fire there. Wait, there's smoke, and what? there's a fire there. What murder? The diver. But he was a naval diver. He had no connection to the bank. I thought. Well, obviously he had a connection to the bank because the bank guy brought him in and said investigate the diver because of this Brody guy. And now but why they would go that, why well, would Brody. It be... But it 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 just show, it shows that this is not nothing. That there is something big going on, so well, their caution only, is kind of like. Can, and then where are the police? The connection. The connection. Where are the, the police? They already made it. Not, the, there the is bank no established already made the connection. connection. But the bank already made that connection. They brought it to Bugs in the first place. They literally they came in and said, "Well, they weren't because they have a witness but, who but literally point, saw the, Brody murder the, the guy." The point about it is, it's only it's only an irrational thing from the bank's point of view if there is actually a solid connection that they are certain of. So what I'm wondering is, how are they certain of it at that stage? Okay, and the second question is, where are the police? A murder well, was got... committed in front of Ed's very own eyes. Where he is, He's a witness of it. He watched her do it. He saw the look in her eyes when she pulled the trigger. Why aren't they arrested? Why didn't they go straight to the cops and say, this guy and this woman... Our murderers arrest them because plot. Yeah, that's the yes, that drama. Is, that is yeah. the point. Do you, that I ha, see. I have a note about that that scene, which is similar in the sense is where are the police? But to me, the question is not so much why why don't why don't the police go and arrest the Brodies on Ed say so? It's why don't the police arrest Ed because there he is in a water tank with a body and he's all wet and the body's all wet there's so that all sorts of questions arise about that that he should at least be questioned to, to do with what the relationship is between our trio and the police because we don't see how any of that operates so does ed or someone on the team report the murder to the police which you would imagine they would do and then what kind of standing do they have with the police that they are able... Because, I mean, even if you report it, the, the, the police aren't going to go, oh, well, 
you know, you reported it. It can't be you. Ha ha ha. If well, if but I think I think the police have a good. Them. I think the police would have a good case. You know, Ed goes forward. He calls in a murdered body. He says, "This is what happened." Uh, they go, "Huh? Yeah." But he, Ed's got at least three people to back him up. One guy from the bank and two and Roz and Beckett to say yes. We were investigating this guy because this bank brought us that information to look my- for these stolen goods. And while he was doing that, and yes, he was committing a crime, so he could get in trouble for that, he witnessed a murder. <laughs> like, my, my point wow. is we don't see any of that. We don't. Right, we, we don't. Have, we, have, we, have, we have no idea whether the police need that kind of testimonial in order to believe that, because right. that, that kind of testimonial takes time this is this is my point so what they would actually be more likely to be to arrest ed so you know arrest first ask questions later they would then as you say have reason to give ed the benefit of the doubt after having questioned him and after having questioned those people who as you say might well back up his story but time wasn't a problem though in the pacing in the pacing of this we just we kind of rattle straight through to the next stage and the body just disappears so it, it it it's not necessarily that i want i mean it's the opposite really i don't i don't want the thing to get bogged down into a police procedural but i i could have done with the throwaway line to explain it and in general thanks for getting this, me out of jail guys what now <laughs> it, whatever. Right? i mean i don't feel yeah. better than that but in general the the whole question of what their standing is would be good to know because when they come in contact with the official authorities, you know, yeah. how is that how is that going to play out in each case? Because clearly, I mean, Beckett is an ex-operative working for the government. That must have, you know, any any police computer or whatever, that would be flagged up, I assume. And, Have we even you know, seen any police at all in this series? I don't think so. I think it. I think it's possibly following the Brian Clemens rule on that from the Avengers. No police. Yeah. No police is half of it. Yeah. What was the other half? Well, I uh, the the bit. I mean, it may, there may have been more in his Bible, but the bit I always remember from what he said about the Avengers: no police and no black people. And oh dear. He, oh dear, indeed. The 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 idea being that in in his mind of how Avengers Land worked, you can't have anything that connects you to reality because it pops the bubble of the of the fantasy world. And so in his mind, police and officialdom were too realistic, but also the world of yeah. black people. And yeah, um, it's, it's kind of, it's, yeah. it's pretty indefensible. The, the interesting thing is there were black people in the Avengers before um, we really yeah, got into I was going to say, the... I, I kind of remember that, yeah. Well, there are, there are very few police too. who get into the, into the Emma, Emma Peel era. There are, there, yeah. are not, there are not police. Um, no police at all. Well, again, not in the, not in the, in the kind of Emma Peel era. I mean... No, right. right. There, are, there are, except there's a, there's, a, there's a black guy in uh, Small Game for Big Hunters... And there is a apparently a policeman in Murdersville, though actually not a policeman. He's not real, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so yeah, I, I I wonder I wonder if the philosophy underpinning this is is the same kind of thing, which is that we are we're creating a a fantasy around these three guys, and if you bring in the real authorities, then you undermine the notion of them being a kind of kick-ass trio of crime fighters who don't need any backup whatsoever. Yeah. So, basically, Ed just left the body in the tank. <laughs> that... I genuinely don't know. I, what, I, what I think, from my memory, is that we do get a, a better idea as we go on about what Bug's standing is, or what the trio's standing is, um, you know, in relation to other authorities, but whether the writing team at this stage had an idea about what that would be later in the series, 
and were writing to that or whether they just made it up as they go along i couldn't yet say i'm not going to research this because i'm not looking for spoilers right no no fair enough fair enough um it just it it did it did at some point bug me during this episode no pun intended um because i'm like yeah where 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 this got to be this got to be even like i say it may be a lame line but a throwaway line because there's no urgency after there's no urgency after ed finds the dead body right once the villains are gone and he's safe there is no urgency because the next move is beckett and ed's to contact brody and say we've got the parts because they had the parts brody was stuck in the water it could have been a week probably wasn't but you know it it could have been a few days it could have been long enough for them to arrest ed have ed taken in have people vouch for him what he's doing uh and then you know i don't think well all right you guys seem to know what you're doing so go ahead and keep on working on this case we'll we'll not worry about the murder or whatever it happens to be but it just yeah yeah something something and and, yeah and and inspector teal could have shown up or something but well, yeah. I, I yeah, don't don't want to add, add costs, you know, in terms of having to pay additional <laughs> well, speak, sub, speaking so. parts. But uh, yeah, it, it was um, it was maybe it, it would have been ten ten seconds at the end of that scene for one of them to sort of say, "All oh, right, well, I I'd better get on to the police," or yep, that too, um, you know we'd better get out of here before someone finds the body one way or the other you'd have got an idea of what actually was going to happen fair enough e- either way but uh, i mean they're not obviously they're not above breaking the law because they do uh in in the course of this episode breaking and entering for example and uh i, I guess probably surveillance is not illegal uh even tapping and tracking and things like that because they haven't figured out those need to be outlawed but yeah it's just and in previous episodes they've done you know clear yes. breaking yes. and entering crimes so uh they, they they do exist in their own little world <laughs> which which is you know which is the benefit of them being outside the um official uh, uh, you enforcement. know i'm gonna go back to that police thing for just a second in the Avengers, Steed is a form of police. He is a form of authority. He is part of a government organization. Yes. And so if, if a guy gets murdered, I envision Steed can call somebody and have that taken care of. Yes, officially. yes, exactly. And, 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 that's, that's and these guys can't. Where, yeah. Well, that's what I wondered well, because... I, because it, we have had an indication that Roz is quite well connected in some ways, and we also know that Beckett is an ex-spook. So, although he may not be able Disgraced, to do it in, but, in yeah. an official way, he, you know, he might know who to call. Um, not necessarily to get the problem to go away, but at least you know to get someone friendly to come and um, deal with the issue. So, I, I still think that it is a possibility that they do things in the way that Steve does things, but in the in the way, in the same way that in the Avengers we we know Steve's standing and therefore that he has this ability, it feels like it would be good to know that here, or or the opposite. It's just it it struck me as very odd because there'd been a murder, there was a body, and then it just disappeared. And I think that, you know, we might be seeing Clemens' hand here on the other thing that that still bugs me again. <laughs> Pun still intended or not intended, as the case may be. So we don't even know what these guys call their business. And we really don't know what, who Steed works for exactly. I mean, we do, but we don't. Oh, yeah, we do. Right? What, he works for MI5 and a half, as, as Patrick McNee used to say? <laughs> they never really name the organization. No, they don't, they don't name the organization. And he works for do, the powers that be. Well, he works for the powers that be. He works for... You, you can describe the organization. The, the joke that McNee had was because the organization he works for does both security and intelligence. And so mm-hmm. there is no direct corresponding 
real life organisation. Right. Nevertheless, there's enough information within the the show, at least you know, as as the as the run unfolds, for you to kind of for you to establish what kind of an organisation it is. Mm. You don't necessarily know all of that at the beginning, but you still know enough in the context of the story. I mean, in Hot Snow, the essential thing is that Steve is a a representative of the official law enforcement. Um, it's hard It's hard even to think of what he's doing as security at that point because he's basically just chasing drug dealers. But that that's the function he fulfills in that plot. Keel is a is an amateur. He's just a, a regular doctor. Steed is a professional undercover man, and um, or well, yeah, he's not undercover. Not yeah, okay. Maybe <laughs> yeah. the Avengers yeah. is actually pretty inconsistent. Um, <laughs> so these guys are actually the talented amateurs. They just don't have a Steed to work with. Yeah, I mean Becky <laughs> is ex-professional, so. I, I still think Beckett is the closest thing they've got to Steed, except he has no wit whatsoever. <laughs> he's, he has no charm, wit, grace. Yeah. yeah. Well, and uh, he lacks Steed's style. Um, and style, but, uh, that was the word I was looking for. But yeah, because he is the one who, is, who was the, the professional, he, that, is, that is the connection. And, the, and yeah, the others are... Are talented amateurs, but I, I don't. Yeah, I don't know that the. I don't know that the analogy works quite that closely because I still think that the setup in Bugs is much more akin to the setup in the New Avengers, and of course, by the time you got to Late Avengers and the New Avengers, the whole talented amateur thing had been dropped. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Actually, I kind of thought Purdy was it, the amateur. No, and that Gambit and Steed were the actual operatives but yeah you're right you're right they're not it's been a very long time since i've watched the new avengers very very long time anyway um let's see let's turn our attention back to the show that is not the show that it (laughs) wishes it could be (laughs) um let's see i loved the explanation that they had to explain gps yeah yeah well ed didn't understand it and I and again, it was one of those 1995 moments. Thinking, really, do, do does the audience need does the audience need an explanation of GPS? There, there is a so. sort of. I kind of feel like, in a way, this show is sort of like somebody thought I could make a show after watching episodes of Tomorrow's World, <laughs> kind of thing. There, there is that sort of. <laughs> there's a public service. There's a sort of G. There's a sort of G whiz look at what could be. Uh, feel to it and it you know maybe it's a little bit more grounded in what's actually happening right now but I can I can remember seeing it tomorrow's world where they were showing a very very early prototype of a car GPS and I mean it was a hmm. it was a laptop computer bolted to the a big laptop computer bolted to a the dashboard and you know, wires going everywhere and just incredibly primitive. But, you know, they were given it the full treaty. In the future, we may be able to have car-based units that could show you where you are and maybe even tell you about businesses in the area. And you're just like, okay. <laughs> this, that's the feel I got when he was explaining to Ed. Yeah, yeah. The, I, the, I, was... I mean, I have no doubt that that is what the show does I mean that 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 is essentially the premise for the show? It just surprised me a bit that GPS wasn't commonly because because it is so it is so ubiquitous now. But actually, when you think yeah. about it, the you know the the whole Atmos storyline in Doctor Who was thirteen years later than this, and the the kind of point about that was how how newly. Having a, a, a G, it wasn't a, obviously at that point GPS was novel, but that it had become ubiquitous. So clearly, if it wasn't ubiquitous until two thousand and eight, in nineteen ninety five, right, the vast it majority wasn't. of the viewing audience wouldn't have known about it. The fact that the fact that there is at this point in the story this very very careful explanation to Ed 
who you would expect to be as a member of a team involved in these kind of technologies a little bit more clued up than the average audience but the, the, yeah. the fact there was this very careful explanation made me think aha this is Chekhov's GPS and it is going to play <laughs> yep. some key role in the story before you know the, the, the final payoff but remembering Ed didn't get the mouse thing last time so <laughs> he's not fair clued point. up fair point he doesn't know which end of the mouse yep yeah, no, I think, yeah, that is fair. That is fair enough. That is fair enough. Hey, also, I am, I am, I, I wouldn't really expect it, but in a way, I almost sort of expected it when he tried opening his phone after being submerged in water <laughs> and it didn't work. Uh, you know, this is the point where if they had wanted to break the fourth wall, it could have squirted a little water out the speaker at him, like a fish spitting at him, but they didn't do that. <laughs> but I kind of. I did kind of feel like it might be coming there for just a second. (laughs) Really? You actually bothered to try to open that phone to see if it was going to work after? (laughs) (laughs) But of course, if if he'd had a, what was the, was it the iPhone 7 that was the first water-resistant? Yeah, it might have. first water-resistant phone. It's the first water-resistant Apple phone. I should be less of an Apple That should be true. There, There were mil spec phones that were, you know, great big huge things with, with all sorts of dust and mega but I, but I must say one of the quite nice things about this episode is that there are the moments in this story where the tech fails to work for good reason like Ed unexpectedly gets dunked in a water tank or they place a radio tracker on someone who then gets into a submarine and goes underwater yeah that, that's true it, it, it's, it's not it's not horrible but it's it's still, you know, it's kind of quaint. I, I, quaint is the word that kind of comes to my mind when we're looking at this stuff. It's like, Aww! <laughs> <laughs> it's like, <laughs> but, uh, I, you know, and, and carrying my Tomorrow's World analogy a little bit, I could also, you know, in a sort of twisted reality, I could see that same presenter standing there in the future with computers it might be possible for criminals to make false bank transfers you know instead of telling us how great it's going to be i could see the same presentation of here's what could go wrong it's like and that's kind of what this show does it's like and of course the bank the the, the bank they're like no not our computers that's not gonna yeah. happen it's like wow wow have i heard that before <laughs> it's from management oh yeah <laughs> Although I'm, you know. Although you also heard it from, from what's his name in last week's episode. That's um, true. The, you know, the guy whose perfect remote control airplane system mm. couldn't mm-hmm. possibly be hacked. Can't possibly be hacked. No, no, not possible. So, yeah. So I think there's, a, there's possibly another trope emerging there. <laughs> Technology cannot go wrong. Oh, yeah, it can. <laughs> well... We, yeah, I mean, we see the technology going wrong, but we get characters who are absolutely convinced the technology cannot fail. Yeah. Another one for the category of what the heck do these people have in terms of official connections? Ed gets the Dutch Navy out there. I think it's the Danish Navy. Danish? Was it, was it Danish? Sorry. It I was one of those they... D countries. <clears throat> I thought they, they said the Dutch off. coast, but was it... I may be I may be wrong. It I might be, be the wrong. Danish thought, coast. You're right. I thought they'd gone to Denmark, but I I, I I'm not sure. But it, yes, I either way, I have I have a, a navy there about <laughs> the fact that he that he suddenly got the Danish or or Dutch navy working for him. D land. Um, we'll surely it has to be <laughs> Danish because it's only taken like half an hour to nip. Anyway, okay, your um, geography of Europe is better than mine. I'll give you that. The, I, the, they did show maps. I couldn't have told you where it was. Yeah, but it uh, like France the, to me. <laughs> the, the 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 question the questions that I had earlier about how well connected the team were were then um, massively massively compounded by how the hell is Ed, who I would have thought is the least well connected of the three of them, suddenly yep. got has, has suddenly got this this warship at his complete disposal. Yeah, yeah, you know. I, and when, just, when you know in, earlier in the episode, they say the, the Ross says the issue because they've been fired, they've got no backup. Well, yeah, I mean, no backup <laughs> from the bank. But if they've got a navy at their beck and call, they're not too badly off. 
You know, Ed's not completely without connections because he did get the job from the Hive to fly their helicopter. So he must at least have some security link somehow or he just wouldn't be on the vendor list. And the question might be, who taught him to fly? Because if he's had military training... Oh, there's a trope. Yeah. He might well have connections through that. Yeah, he's the best pilot we ever had. And then he just he wanted to run a charter business. So, yeah, no, I, I can I can see that one. That's a pretty common one. So, let's see. What else? Um, what have you got? I have, um, I have a note about this week's fashion victim. What did you think of, of Rosie's knitted tank top? I didn't see it. Really? No. Well, I thought that was that was uh, that was interesting. I, I don't know if you've seen Purdy wearing that. Though she did have some slightly suspect outfits. Um, I, I, uh, I I honestly am pretty bad about noticing humans wearing clothes. I mean, I'll notice them if well, they're not no, wearing they were, clothes. They, but... they, 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 yeah, they were wearing clothes. Yeah, all of them were wearing clothes. I think throughout. The whole episode. So, um, but yeah, and I think people can tell from my fashion sense that I do not <laughs> have a fashion sense or any uh, inclination. Yeah, no, I, I totally. No, I, have pretty, only I, have I, a pretty, I have a pretty limited fashion sense. The fact that this registered with me as a sign that it was. Um... I think that I could have said in this episode. If, if you pressed me afterwards, like, what were people wearing? I would say at one point, Beckett wore a suit. And at another point, I think Ed wore a brown leather jacket. But That's true. But it could be my that, impression that he always wears a brown leather jacket. <laughs> the, fact, the fact that Beckett wore a suit was after they effectively drew lots to, de- to decide who was going to wear a suit. So it was in the dialogue. That's how I noticed. Right. <laughs> I, I was going to say. I was going to say. It, I didn't. I wasn't taking credit for which is saying those are the two things I could have pulled out of this one. <laughs> I I did I did think I did think Beckett getting shot in the bug was extremely Blackadder dual in duality. Oh yeah, that was not. I, if he'd been wearing a bulletproof vest, I'd have been much more believable of that. But getting shot in that and surviving. Well, I, I don't don't know about I don't know about believable. I think the the. The point is, if he'd been wearing a bulletproof vest, it would have been a sign of him surviving as a result of taking a precaution, whereas getting shot in the bug was a sign of him surviving as a short of just as a, as a result of just being insanely lucky. Well, he's insanely lucky. I agree. I, I could. All right. I could try to put myself. It's difficult really difficult. I could try to put myself in the minds of someone in Britain where you're not supposed to have guns. So you can't expect that every crazed nut job has a gun in his pocket. So I could kind of understand why you might not go to an insure a, a faux insurance interview uh, <laughs> wearing a, a flak jacket. But, uh, but, you know, in this world, apparently guns aren't that hard to get hold of. Yeah. And... So maybe, although in, maybe, in, partic- but, in particular, but, yeah, hitting that was just terrible. Yeah, it's not so much why does he, um, why does he have a gun, given that he's in Britain, because I mean we do have guns here. We just don't have the Frown vast, vast numbers of guns that you have. The 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 question that seemed more relevant at, the, at that particular moment was why on earth does he shoot him? I mean, I can see he got a bit cross, but really. How bad are his anger issues? Homicidal maniac. Yeah, it homicidal did, I, maniac. It, it it didn't it didn't seem in any way to serve his. I mean, he got up and and he shouted a lot and he stormed off. And I could perfectly understand why he'd done that. But yeah. I, I, I don't <laughs> he did just commit murder and would we expect? I mean, thinking, presuming no, he no. committed murder. No, no. Before he before before he tried to commit murder, he he became angry and left as. As you would do, you know, when you when you think you are there to to arrange a deposit, and then it turns out that you're being strung along. Anyone would be annoyed by that. And why would you stay? I mean, that would what what would you gain from staying? So I can understand why you would storm off. But my question is, why would you shoot the guy? What do you gain from that? Nothing. I mean, nothing. You gain nothing. You get you get the police who don't exist in this world on your tail. 
just as you're about to do some sort of a caper, which seems like the wrong time to do that. And so it doesn't really, it doesn't really fit very well. And the other thing that doesn't really fit very well is it seems that no one bothered to read his file <laughs> until Roz, when he starts to get upset, suddenly she goes, the file says he's got anger issues. Yeah, he does. <laughs> or something Pretty like extreme. that. History of violence. Extreme. Yeah, extreme. And then suddenly he pulls a gun and shoots him. You're like, I did not expect that. Good thing Beckett's wearing a bulletproof vest underneath that suit. No, he's not. It's just absolute dumb luck. Wow. Okay. Uh, and if they'd reversed that so they knew he had anger issues and put, put Beckett in a vest, then, you know. It still would have had the same impact on the audience. Yeah, exactly. Because I thought he had a vest on. I mean, you know, that was just instantly my my first thought was, oh, well, he's got a vest on because we know he's not dead. Because <laughs> like, he's, he's, you know, he's not dead. He's the star-ish of the show. So, well, yeah. 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 He's not dead. Just mm-hmm. like I knew Ed really wasn't dead. I, for- I should have put that in the recap. I should have put that in the recap. I said, and he kills Beckett dead. Nope, nope, Beckett's still alive. I didn't do that. I should have. Well, you can always re-record it. <laughs> I'm going to re-record it, and I'm going to make it sound completely different and inserted <laughs> into the audio just just for that purpose. Okay. We're going to do it. Excellent. Listeners will, listeners will now, at listeners this point in the podcast, well, at this point in the podcast, they'll realize what I had done. <laughs> All right. Um. (laughs) There there is also tangentially related to that scene um, some notes on the dialogue I have. Um, So one thing is before he before he shoots Beckett, the guy says, "Misunderstand this." Beckett says something like, "There's been a misunderstanding." He says, "Misunderstand this," and shoots him in the chest. Yep. Bit cheesy. But okay. And then literally a couple of scenes later, what's your best offer? This, she says, and shoots the guy. Yeah. Someone's yeah, been got... watching too many low budget action films. They they were it was pretty cheesy. There were some cheesy lines in this. This this is this is um this is Stephen Gallagher, by the way, again, who wrote uh, episode two. What I did like was the was the all of the gunboat gunship dialogue? I thought that, that was, was fun. that was pretty witty. So I, I had a good time with that, and and he kept, you know, he kept capping his previous joke. So that 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 you know that was satisfying. It's kind of funny because when he first said the Navy has no boats, they have ships. I thought wrong. Submarines are boats. That was my <laughs> <laughs> that was my first well, thought. Fun. So. It was it was kind of cyclical, and as soon as the as soon as that sub showed up, I thought, "Oh crap! Ed's going to get caught not being ex Navy because he's going to call that a ship <laughs> in front of Brody, and Brody's going to know." So you one step ahead, and and it didn't really happen. It though. didn't happen. He didn't get, but it, they, but they, he didn't but it caught didn't out. Pu- but yeah, it, it wasn't it wasn't wasted. There was. Ed, yeah, it was Ed, Ed's lack of knowledge on because because that that wouldn't have occurred to me. I'm not I'm not as um, if you if you'd said yeah they call they call subs boats yeah you know U boats and all the rest of it I'd go yeah yeah okay I, that rings a bell that, I'm familiar with that but it's not like I saw a submarine and thought or or I heard the line the navy has no no boats and thought hang on a minute they do yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, I well, my dad was in the navy, so I, oh, navy so people correct you. <laughs> <laughs> navy people will correct you, oddly enough, about that thing. It's like, it's like, except for U-boats. Well, you don't call them U-boats, but you know, submarines are called boats. And then you got gunboats. It's like, no, those are ships. <laughs> it's like, well, what's a gunship? It's a helicopter. It was good. I mean, it was, it was definitely good. it was good. I. I, I Full points. It's obviously something that either nagged this guy or somebody had nagged him about it. And he thought, "I can, I can make this. I can play with this through the episode." And he did. He did well on it. What else you got? Well, I've just got one final thing, which is 
to do with this question that we we have discussed a bit before, which is how sci-fi this show is, because it struck me that this was the other. Put it put it the other way around. I think the other three episodes had a reasonably strong claim to being sci-fi. This was the least sci-fi episode, in my opinion. I don't know what you thought, but it didn't seem particularly sci-fi to me. Ah, uh, I think I think that's a fair assessment. Again, I I think we are we are looking at trying to place a 1995 show in what are they speculating about the future of technology as opposed to what is actual and so things like the gps in this episode were clearly real things because you can't make that one up because the satellites are up there yeah right i mean that that obviously the system is truly in place or you couldn't make the argument is like oh yeah there's satellites so you know it's a thing submarines are a thing the only thing that might not have been a thing and i just i don't know is whether or not any kind of like tapping into cables crime or fraudulent wire transactions like this was real or that was speculative the future of technology but yeah you're but right it, for the, i for mean the most part, question of whether it was whether it was real i mean if if it's theoretically possible that no one's done it it's not yes science, that's what i mean it's fiction but if it's if it's not possible, then I guess yeah. Or if it's not no, I think that science time. science fiction can be things that become possible, but not possible at the time. Yeah, it's kind of hard to say. Um, yeah, I uh, I I thought that they had a, a very good line of psychopathic people work in this episode. You know, obviously, yeah. Brody, Brody's wife, and the diver. What was it? Mc, Mc, McInnerin? McTynerin? Tynan? Something like that. Uh, he didn't live long enough to care to, to go McTiernan. back and find out. <laughs> McTynan, okay. Hey, that's close. Um, you know, are all pretty quick to pull the trigger in this yeah. episode. And I will say that as a resolution of having Roz say, you know, he's just going to leave you with the diamonds. As a pretty good read on the character and the wife, uh, I think was was spot on in killing him at that point. Yeah, I mean, I mean, if she, based on the kills she'd done in the past, I'm not saying she should kill her husband. It's just saying that in the context of what she had done previously, it's like, yep, you actually do kind of need to kill him because he is going to leave you in the lurch. He's just left a submarine crew, and they probably knew about that the whole time. He, you know, they've killed the captain. They're, they're, they're yeah. You're nothing to him. He's got the diamonds. You, you're gone. Your value is over. Well, I don't know. I don't know that it's quite that nothing, but it's, but it's, it is. I mean, like you say, it's kind of there is a somewhat psychopathic behavior traits in evidence, and he hmm. says you would do the same thing. It's like, look, way up, way up the logic here. If you were in my position, and you, you know, there was nothing. Or, or the, Didn't you know, Roz say that to her? No, 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 no. He he says he says you, what do you the same thing. Yeah, yeah. You would do you would do the same thing. And what what was kind of nice about that was that I immediately thought as soon as she shot him, yeah, and he would do the same thing to her if their positions were reversed. So when he was saying that, why wasn't he surprised that he then got shot? Yeah, yeah. He he. I... It's like he had to know. I mean, he should have been diving behind that car just yeah. as fast as he could instead of standing there going, "I'll get you lawyers and stuff." No, she's still pointing a gun at you, dude. Yeah. <laughs> like, if she, if she, if she, if she was as logical as he was suggesting she should be, um, yeah, and and indeed, you know, that is what she did. Um, the two other things that that crossed my mind is, you know, after Ross got her car crushed and In she replaced one. it. Yeah, in episode one. And she replaced it. Is a bright yellow car the right answer for surveillance work? Well, you know, um, number six had a yellow car. <laughs> like so, uh, uh, but I don't think he was, yeah, well, yellowish, black and sand. And uh, I, I did truly enjoy the bluff when they showed that terrible, terrible picture. And Brody says pictures can be faked. Which yeah. that in itself was, you know, pretty far, far imaginative. 
the time. And his response is, you think we fake this? We would do a better job. I think that all the time. Um, <laughs> I, when, when we, um, uh, for the government agency I used to work for, I will, I will tell this story. It's completely true. I won't give any names. Uh, one of our divisions licensed people. And part of that licensure was proof that you had education and proof that you had been cleared by the law enforcement authorities. And the law enforcement authority thing was a little harder to fake, but the education thing, you could supply the transcripts. And I have seen the things people would submit where they had obviously cut, typed their name on a piece of paper and cut it out and then stuck it over it and photocopied it. And you can see the, you know, you can see the outlines. You can see that it's a completely different font than the rest of the document. That, I mean, people are not that bright <laughs> when it comes to fraud like that. <laughs> many, many examples. Or they would change the total score at the bottom in the same way where it was obviously a fake. Or they'd white it out and then they'd photocopy it. Over. And, and yet it wouldn't add up to what was above it. I mean, it's, it's a shocking. It's shocking how far people will go to try to fake something. So handing over a picture that wasn't that bad of a fake, really, it's like, all right, all right. I, I, could, I could even see somebody with one of those fake applications going, you think if I was trying to fake it, I wouldn't do a better job than that? I, I could see that. I could see him trying it. Not getting away with it, but I can see it. Anyway... <laughs> Who knows how many did get away with it? That's the other question. But anyway, um, but that's all I've got. Well, I've I've had a chance to have a look and see if over the years the lyrics down amongst the dead men have ever come up, but I haven't been able to find it. It it uh, it definitely seems to be down among the dead men. I I, I don't uh, I don't have any reference to that. Is there a specific? Is that a is that a thing? The phrase? It's a song. I've never heard it. It's, it's, a, it's song. a song. It's a drinking song. Yes. Yes. Oh, okay. Must be a British drinking song. Uh, you, yes, yes, yes. It is. Um, yeah. I mean, Possibly. it's been around for nearly three centuries, I think. So. Um, okay. It could be because they almost, don't drink. Almost, I don't know almost, which. Almost as long as the United States. Three hundred years is even longer. But yeah, yeah. Um, it just feels like 300 years. <laughs> okay, well, I don't know. That's fine. I just, when I saw that name, it just, it feels like it should be sort of old-timey-wimey. And I, I kind of get amongst as, as sort of, I don't even know, is there a difference between among and amongst, grammatically? Pass. Okay, I, I, I wasn't sure, but you kinda, it, it kind of has that ye old shoppy feel to the word amongst. You know, like that, that sort of faux, uh, kind of getting the sort of Davy Jones locker kind of feel to this. this. But I can't think of a way you can use one and you can't use the other. You, you don't ever hear anybody use amongst. Well, I mean, I do, but <laughs> that's an affectation. <laughs> anyway. All right. Anything else? Uh, no, that's everything. That's all I've got. All right. In that case, uh, we'll be back uh, next time looking at another episode of Bugs. Who's Shotgun name Wedding. Oh, yeah. Shotgun Wedding. Yeah. It's funny. I don't write them down, but I see them on the Plex server because, you know, next up. And then I forget it. And as soon as you say it, it's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> That's it. You're right. That is exactly right. Yeah. All right. Simon, thank you for joining me. It's a pleasure, as always. And listeners. I do hope you'll join us all again next time on Fusion Patrol. We hope you've enjoyed listening to Fusion Patrol, a listener-supported podcast. There are over 500 previous episodes available at FusionPatrol.com. Come join the conversation on Twitter, our website, or Facebook. Find out how you can become a supporter at Patreon.com slash Fusion Patrol. Supporters get early access to all regular episodes, bonus episodes, and more. There's even an optional podcast series where we're looking at the classic TV series, Babylon 5. Our music is Fight the Future by Amber Wolf. This has been a Lone Locust production. 
Next week on Fusion Patrol, John and I will be taking a look at Big Finish's Space 1999 box set number one. We'll be looking at the final two episodes, Death's Other Dominion and Goldilocks. And later this week, for our Anne LeShock tier patrons on Patreon, we'll be looking at the Babylon 5 episode, War Prayer. We discuss radical terrorism, the order of the four horsemen of the apocalypse, and whether it's a condition of employment that all lieutenant commanders have illicit coffee plants. Come join the conversation.